0: Welcome to
1: another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
2: Happy Monday to you. The Ride Home with you. You with the Ride Home. I am happy because both Lexi Merritt and I are in the Word FM studios, or at least I am virtually. But we've got a special guest with us today. I'd like to welcome to the program. Mr. John
3: Hall. Hmm. Greetings, John. Greetings.
2: Welcome back. It's been Thank a you. long time.
3: It's been a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um I've got a little case of uh of a crud that has enveloped. <laughs> Let's look. I got to put myself on mute.
2: Yeah. Sure. We're doing the show uh, via Zoom, as you can imagine, since John is still coughing up a yeah, lung.
3: I am. I'm still coughing up a lung here, and um, such is life. I'm. I'm hoping to get better. I feel, you know, incrementally better the certain that I did this time last week, but it's an ongoing process, Kath. So.
2: Oh, John. Well, all I can tell you is that we missed you terribly.
3: Holy smokes! Well, thank you. I, I miss you too, but um, I, it's been a long, long time since I've been ill like this. Right. I mean, years. All through COVID and stuff, I was never sick at all, just kind of dancing through the raindrops. Right. And all of a sudden, boom, something grabs me. Now, the good news is I don't have COVID. I tested myself multiple times. Okay, great. And I feel, you know, good. It's just I got, you know, this this crud, that's all. That's just life.
2: Well, Lexi and I did muddle ahead without you. Lex, I want to thank you for all your excellent work last week. That's what I'm here for. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love that about her. Coming up on today's program in the five o'clock hour, we're going to talk about how U.S. church attendance is still lower than it was pre-pandemic. So we'll kind of toss that around, see what our churches look like, how we feel about it. Uh, Kurt Bjorklund from Orchard Hill Church will be with us at the 510 hour to talk about kids and smartphones and social media. Kurt's got four boys of his own. He's also the pastor of a big church in Pittsburgh, um, talks with a lot of kids, a lot of parents. Uh, we'll kind of get his read on how parents are navigating uh, this digital age that we're in. Also, we're excited to welcome uh, Bruce Koviak. He's a law professor at St. Vincent to talk about uh, the jury trial portion of the uh, Tree of Life Synagogue trial that just began today and um we'll talk about what that looks like it's supposed to be about six weeks long but uh bruce being a law professor will be able to guide us through that well um so that's our second hour and then in our first hour um little couple who got a hotel voucher in the year 1983 for their wedding and then just used it over the weekend i love that so a lot more coming up on today's ride home john but again uh the number one story today is your triumphant return
3: thanks so much yeah uh, today's payday that's uh, is that it oh is that right is that, <laughs> that why you showed by, you thought,
2: you thought for crying out loud oh, what thought, the heck? if i'm I mean, going to kind of uh, come in any day i better come in this got to
3: show up you know you know uh, the online thing if people you know do their um time cards online i was always proud like i had like 120 plus hours of sick time oh good I haven't touched that I haven't sure. touched that for years right gone down a little bit
4: <sighs>
3: that's all sure. Just saying Mm -hmm. Uh, It's nice. I've been, you know, hanging out, watching some movies, you know, I've gone through multiple, multiple boxes of Kleenex and uh, such is life. That's awesome.
2: Okay. Well, it's not, the only thing that's awesome is that you've gone and seen a lot of movies Mm -hmm, and by gone and seen, I mean, walked from your bed to the television house to (laughs) see them. Anyway, well, maybe we'll unpack some of those as the week goes on, but I guess before we get into all of that, it's time for the news of the day. Lex, can you give us the music? I think there you go. Okay, for Monday, June 26, 2023. It's my mom and dad's anniversary, John. Hey,
3: happy anniversary. My mom and
2: dad have both passed away, but uh, this would be their 58th anniversary.
5: Fabulous.
2: So I always think of them today. Uh, Let's get started with number one. Yevgeny Prigozhin, the leader of what seemed to be the beginnings of a coup, Defended the short-lived weekend insurrection and claimed this afternoon he really wasn't trying to oust President Vladimir Putin of Russia. Regardless, yeah, this was the most serious challenge to Putin's authority in his 23 years in power. According to today's Wall Street Journal, Pergozin defended his actions in an 11-minute audio clip today, saying the Wagner group's aim wasn't to overthrow the government, but to protest the way the paramilitary group was being treated. Russian state media reported that the Wagner leader, whose whereabouts are unknown, is still under criminal investigation. So earlier today, I heard he was in Belarus, then... Like around 11 o'clock, his uh, whereabouts were unknown. And even now, I guess we don't know exactly where he is. Yeah. Following, the mo- following the momentous weekend, Russian authorities took pains to show a return to normal life today and that they were, of course, in control of the situation. Putin is uh, had just spoke uh, publicly before we went to air and said that this Wagner thing was no big deal.
3: Right. Seriously, this is like the fellows. Someone's going to end up in a trunk somewhere.
2: Exactly. Number two, voters are souring on the state of the nation with a stunning 74 percent saying the U.S. is on the wrong track, according to a survey released yesterday. The NBC poll found just 20 percent of respondents say America moving in the right direction. And the last time voters were that bitter about the nation's course, that was in 92 and in 08. The party in control of the White House changed hands. That's what NBC's Chuck Todd noted when he talked about the results. The same poll sees a likely rematch between Biden and Trump. While Trump has a growing lead over Governor Ron DeSantis in the GOP primary, apparently the Florida governor does better against Biden in the general election, the survey showed it's from today's New York Post. Number three, the next big advance in cancer treatment, John, could be. Are you ready? hmm a vaccine after after decades of limited success scientists say research has reached a turning point with many predicting more vaccines will be out in five years Mm. you should check out this article it's super interesting in today's cbs news it says there aren't traditional vaccines these aren't traditional vaccines that prevent disease but they're shots that shrink tumors and stop cancer from coming back Targets for these experimental treatments include breast and lung cancer, with gains reported even this year for the deadly skin cancer melanoma and for pancreatic cancer. Cancer vaccines, like other immunotherapies, immunotherapies, I can't talk today, that are already in use, boost the immune system to find and kill cancer cells. And some new ones use mRNA, which was developed for cancer, but first used for COVID-19 vaccine.
3: Great. Let's ramp up the war, right?
2: And number four, just because you're back, John, I have a weird animal story for you. Oh, good. Thank yes, you. Yes, so I do. An invasive fish that is a voracious predator was recently caught in southeastern Missouri, causing worry that the hard to contain species will spread and become a problem. The northern snakehead, John, caught last month in a drainage pool at Duck Creek Conservation Area. They're calling it the frankenfish. Do you want to know why? Yeah. It can survive out of water. For four days.
3: Really? Mm-hmm. Does it have legs?
2: Uh, It kind of like moves along on its stomach. It's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. creepy looking. It uh, originated from East Asia, where they are a delicacy believed to have healing powers. And that is your top four.
6: All <laughs> right. You're not, only,
2: fish. not only that, though, John, they reproduce quickly. They have sharp teeth, and they can wiggle across muddy mm-hmm. land. Mm-hmm. Not only, and let me just say one last thing, they're over three feet long.
3: What? Did you say they're in Vietnam?
2: Uh, they're from Asia, Asia East Asia, okay, so yeah. it could be Vietnam, it could be Thailand. It could I mean, be...
3: let's hope they never reach the shores I of mean, the United oh, States
2: well, well, they are in the shores of the United States. Oh, no. they are oh yeah, that's what yes, they are absolutely in the shores of the United States because they're in southeastern Missouri, but the reason I bring it up is in twenty nineteen it was also spotted in Pennsylvania
3: <laughs> okay good
2: so if you see something crawling up the uh the banks of the Mon, right. Call the authorities. Let's
3: call and get the heck out of here. Well, thanks, Kevin. That's good news. All right. Thanks for that news update. Uh, I, I know I miss an awful lot while I was gone. Let's take a quick break, come back. And because, of course, it's Monday, always our first guest to start off the week here on the ride home is Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. We go live to the White House next. You're on Word FM. <laughs>
7: WORD.
4: Despite the life stage we might be in, God calls us to fruitfulness. But is that a one-size-fits-all? Here's Kelly Kapik.
1: What does faithfulness look like? And that looks different when you're home with a newborn than it is when you're an empty nester. But we don't tend to honor those differences. We just create lists and say everyone should do them. If they are not, you're not living up.
4: How your limits reflect God's design. Next time on Family Life Today with Dave and Ann Wilson.
8: Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM WORD
9: turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marcia from the Spring House. You have a special event coming up in your life, a shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm fresh foods, then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering
10: from the Springhouse. More than 80 million Americans depend on am radio for their news traffic weather sports and a community connection it's the backbone of the emergency alert system keeping us safe in dangerous times it's critical that we keep am radio in cars because when cell and internet services are down this free emergency service could be your only lifeline Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be.
8: Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com surroundpittsburgh.com Connecting you with new customers surroundpittsburgh.com
11: Nefarious, the number one movie on salemnow.com
12: Execution scheduled for 11pm. He's trying to convince us he's gone insane. I'm a demon
0: Here's what Kirk, Tatum, and Prager say about Nefarious A modern day screw tape letters teenagers especially should see it. It makes you think about the true nature of evil and scares the heavens right into you.
5: It is a fact Fascinating movie. It's absolutely gripping. Nefarious.
13: Rated R. Watch it now at SadumNow.com. SadumNow.com.
3: We go live now to the White House where Greg Clugston joins us every Monday. First guest out of the shoot is Greg Clugston from SRN News where he is the White House correspondent. Greg, always a pleasure, friend. Happy Monday to you. Thank you, John. Hi. Good to be here.
1: Hi, Kathy.
2: Yeah. Nice to see you, Greg. Boy, incredible news from Russia this weekend. It was like I felt like I had to be on my phone all the time to try to keep up with what was happening there. So it seemed like it was a coup that was kind of cut short. Um, Now we have the leader of the Wagner Group in some unnamed location. Uh, Greg, what's the latest that you've heard?
1: Right. So this Wagner Group, which is sort of this paramilitary organization, it's kind of a mercenary outfit led Mm -hmm. by this Yevgeny Prigozhin. He's the head of Wagner. And uh, he was claiming that Russian uh, military soldiers attacked his group of soldiers, Mm. uh, killed some. That was his claim. And uh, he basically started a march toward Moscow with his own forces. So you had this internal strife playing out inside the Russian border as Russia is continuing to fight with Ukraine. And that was sort of the that was the drama that was uh, really unfolding over the weekend and of course you've got russia uh facing what we don't normally see at least uh, you know in in the world's eyes this political turmoil and this chaos and a, a lot of uncertainty as to what could happen and russia it's worth noting has the world's largest nuclear arsenal. So it got the attention of the United States and a lot of the Western allies. Uh, The president was doing a video call. President Biden was doing a video call with Western allies on Saturday. He was getting regular hourly updates. And then, Kathy, you're right. This this rebellion, almost as fast as it started, it ended. And uh, there was some sort of a peace agreement, if you want to call it that, that was brokered by Belarus which is closely of all people. Yeah. Closely connected those two governments with Russia and Belarus. So um, it, it still remains uh, suspect. There are still a lot of question marks. It looked as if this Prigozhin leader of Wagner was given the right to flee uh, to Belarus or elsewhere. Nobody knows exactly where he is. And just within the last hour, Russian President Vladimir Putin issued a video statement or a live speech, I guess it was, um, late at night in moscow and he was uh, blaming russia's enemies he said that they miscalculated uh, he was calling the forces that were marching toward moscow on saturday uh essentially those who were traitors but he's also at the same time because of this agreement allowed uh, his own forces to 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 welcome them in if they want to continue working with the Russian military. So it's very interesting. It's very odd. And it mm-hmm. can be very concerning, given the uh, the nurse, the, the nu- nuclear arsenal that Russia holds. Yeah, Greg, I think that's the word. It is extremely odd. I mean, uh,
3: I don't think there has ever been a, a coup staged by a um, a former waiter. They're they're showing video at least on Saturday of uh, of Putin being served um, a, a shrimp cocktail by you know the, the guy who's trying to roll into Moscow.
1: Right, yeah, he's a former chef. Uh, you know he is someone that um, has worked obviously with Putin in the past. There's been this cooperation between the official Russian military and this Wagner organization. However, um, leading up to Saturday, there have been some public uh, disputes and an ongoing feud to some degree uh, between uh, the Kremlin and this Wagner group. And so uh, something you know, whether it was this actual attack, as, uh, as Prigozhin is, is claiming killed some of his own men, uh, that is what sort of tipped him off, uh, to turn toward the Kremlin. Uh, but we have not seen anything like this. There's any, and as you might imagine, and you perhaps have read and heard, but there's all kinds of commentary as to really what this scene means for for Vladimir Putin, for one, showing that there are cracks in his his power, uh, his control over the country, his control over the military, especially in relation to the Ukrainian war. The United States, as uh, you might guess here at the White House, watching things very, very closely.
2: Yeah. Well, after seeing Putin's aggression in Ukraine, Thinking that there would be another person who would challenge his leadership seems like it would be good news. Except Prigozhin is such an unsavory individual. I mean, he wasn't just a waiter. He also spent more than nine years incarcerated in Russia, um, has, you know, has been a mercenary, uh, for years in places, uh, where the last thing the, the common person needed was some more violence. Uh, so they, he's made his money. He's made his mark, um, in places of, of incredible difficulty. So thinking that he might be the person to kind of, quote unquote, liberate Russia from Putin, I don't even know if that would be good news.
1: Right. I mean, Putin has taken so much heat for, uh, you know, potential war crimes and the way he has and his troops have carried out the invasion against Ukraine, uh, the unprovoked, you know, uh, moving across the, the neighbor border there. Uh, And Prigozhin is someone who has wanted to uh, to see the the Russian military uh, be even more fierce in some cases. So you're right, Kathy. uh, He would be he would be an unknown in terms of how he would, for example, if he were to have taken control or somehow takes control of of Russia. uh, What what kind of uh, what kind of result would would lie there? So very, very unsettling.
3: Yeah. Well, it should be an interesting few days ahead. That's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, uh, let's talk about the news here domestically. Over the weekend, um, Christians who are part of the Faith and Freedom Coalition gathered and any number of Republican candidates for president, including Donald Trump himself, as the keynote, uh, made appearances. Please talk to us about Faith and Freedom.
1: Yeah, Donald Trump wasn't the only one who came here to Washington for this event. It was the 14th annual Road to Majority Policy Conference that's uh, sponsored by the Faith and Freedom Coalition. But you had uh, Donald Trump, you had Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley on through the. I mean, the list, as we've talked about the last number of weeks, uh, continues to grow in the GOP presidential field for 2024, and a good number of them were there. Uh, making their pitch to uh, what has become a, a fairly influential um, annual event here in Washington, sponsored by the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Ralph Reed, formerly of the Christian Coalition, has been a part. You know, this is his organization for the last, um, you know, almost going on 20 years. And so these there are themes of life and family and freedom. Obviously, the political uh, climate for 2024 and the White House run and the and the upcoming GOP presidential primaries Uh this is this is something that that's why all these candidates attend to. And John and Kathy, abortion, uh it was it was a major topic because over the weekend, we were marking as a nation the one year since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and Obviously, that issue has now gone to the the states, and uh, it's, it still continues to be a very big national story: abortion and abortion access, and the rights, and and all of the debate there. And so, the candidates were taking uh, some different postures there. You had Donald Trump suggesting that maybe he would uh, embrace some sort of a national restriction uh but then Mike Pence was really doubling down and that seems to be the key part of his campaign he is uh wanting to be the most pro life of all candidates in the side the GOP and he was calling for a 15 week national ban that he would like to see congress pass wow. mm.
2: Let's talk about Chris Christie, uh, at the event. Uh, you know, he's been talking uh, at his, you know, public appearances, trying to bring Donald Trump, uh, back down to a level with which he can be, you know, what, what others can compete against him in the Republican primary. Uh, talk about the response to Christie.
1: Yeah. There were some booze in the crowd when Christie was targeting and critici- criticizing Donald Trump. And, um, I, I was, I, I have attended this, uh, event in past years. I was, uh, I was, uh, away from Washington for a couple of days late last week. So I did not attend in person this event, but, uh, but reports from, uh, news reports from the event, uh, on the weekend Friday and Saturday when most of these GOP candidates were making their speeches. Uh, You did have reports that Chris Christie did, you know, received a a less than enthusiastic response. And in fact, that Donald Trump clearly had the room of the two or three thousand uh, folks that were signed up and were in attendance there. Uh, and you, you mentioned John; he was the keynote Saturday, and that was the case in terms of uh, the, the really the overwhelming response from that room, which gives us a you know a glimpse, kind of a sliver of the larger Republican Party and potential GOP primary voters uh, in, in in terms of Christian evangelical conservatives and uh, what they're thinking about the twenty twenty four field right now. Mm-hmm.
3: Greg, let's talk about uh, about what lies ahead here in the next 12 months. Of course, uh, a year from now, we'll certainly be in the thick of the presidential campaign. But polls are coming out. Uh, you made reference to this a little earlier in the conversation. But where do things sit, um, whether it's, you know, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump or Joe Biden versus Ron DeSantis? I mean, things are coalescing, even as though it seems more and more people are throwing their hats into the ring.
1: Right. It's interesting. NBC News came out with a uh, poll just uh, I think it was yesterday was officially released. And it has some interesting numbers. They're really mixed results for Joe Biden, for example. And again, it is early and you have to take polls for what they're worth. But they can provide a snapshot of where things uh, currently are, perhaps. And uh, this NBC News survey showed that in a head to head, a, a head to head matchup, Joe Biden was leading Donald Trump by four percentage points. So a slight, you know, very slight lead, but a lead nonetheless. But if the matchup was between Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis, it was a dead heat even Mm -hmm. between those two candidates. Uh, But what was interesting is also some some potential warning signs or challenges that Joe Biden, as the incumbent here at the White House, is going to continue to face as he's running for reelection. First of all, you've got 74 percent of Americans, three out of four Americans saying that the country's on the wrong track. And that is not a number that any incumbent, whether it's president or any other elected office, wants to hear. That's a very high number. And also two thirds of registered voters in the NBC News poll said that they have major or moderate concerns about Joe Biden not having the necessary mental and physical health to the president. So sort of the age factor, uh, that's not going away either, it seems.
2: Right. We talked about that poll Greg right before you came on the air and uh, one of the things I thought was remarkable is that the the last time that that poll was as low as it was as far as you know how we feel about the future mm-hmm. the incumbent was tossed out of
4: office.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's it's bad news for anybody who has to face those kinds of numbers. It's 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 an overwhelming sense and feeling at least according to this one poll of of where the American people are right now. Right.
2: All right, Greg, last question for you that has nothing to do with anything that matters. Uh, it's National Chocolate Pudding Day, which oh. uh, you know I personally celebrate yearly because it's Jeez. so great. It's such an outstanding taste treat. Wait,
3: I didn't know this. Really? You celebrate this every year?
2: I love me some pudding. What the heck? I feel strongly about it, Greg. Uh, you're working do,
3: today. but Yeah, well, no,
2: I mean, it's not that I can't work, but I can look forward all day to what I'm going to have later. It's
1: always time for pudding, I guess, right?
2: I guess so. Greg, do, do you have an opinion? Would you like to weigh in on it?
1: I love chocolate pudding. I have to. I have to admit, I can't think of the last time I actually <gasps> had chocolate. I agree. Food. I'm with you, Greg. I mean, you guys, It's not, wh- not that I dislike it. It's just not currently in my. Uh, it's on the menu. Uh, rotation, I guess. Menu. Right, there you go. Right. Do you
2: look right. at it as a, as a childish food?
1: No, but I I certainly you know enjoyed it as a child. I think a lot of kids <laughs> like it. You know, I, mean, I kind of put it in the category with Jello. I like Jello. I like pudding. I just don't eat it as much as I used to. Mm-hmm,
2: You're I saving do. it for for your next hospital stay.
1: Maybe, if if appropriate, absolutely. Right. And, well, uh, there's a
3: cheery note right there,
1: Greg. Well, I'm, just can, saying, the I'm just
2: saying, I'm, I'm concerned I mean, about the both of you that of a you're a sudden not embracing.
3: All eating pudding. What the I heck? just am
2: concerned that you're not embracing it as you should. That's yeah. Greg Clugston live from the White House. I bet he's the only White House correspondent today who's been asked about National Chocolate Pudding Day. Yeah, it's
3: a bragging right. rights, I'm sure. He'll, he'll <laughs> leave us very happily and fulfilled. Thank Always you, a pleasure, Greg.
1: Greg. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, John. Thank you.
11: Doing It Right, Roofing, Siding, Remodeling, specializing in roof replacements for churches and places of worship for nearly 40 years. For the church roof replacement specialists in Pittsburgh and the surrounding area, call 724-NEW-ROOF-TODAY for a free quote.
13: It took a panicked run on a major bank to lead to the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history, and Moody's just downgraded the entire U.S. banking system from stable to negative. Just a reminder why many people diversify their portfolios with something tangible, something that doesn't need bailing out, something that can't vanish into thin air. Listeners by calling or texting now at 800-630-1495. Make sure you mention Salem when you call or text 800-630-1495.
0: paid for by OpenShark Concepts. Attention firefighters, members of the military, and airport workers. For decades, first responders and firefighters at military bases and airports used a chemical-based foam to fight fires. Studies have shown the chemicals used to make aqueous film-forming foam, or AFFF, are highly toxic to humans and have been associated with several types of cancer. If you or someone you know was exposed to AFFF and were diagnosed with any of these cancers including kidney bladder prostate pancreatic lymphoma leukemia testicular and neuroendocrine then you should call us immediately because you may be entitled to significant cash compensation call us at 800-515-8809 our experienced attorneys will fight to get you the compensation you deserve, and you pay nothing unless we get a recovery in your favor. Time is limited to file the claim, so call us now. 800 515 8809. Operators are standing by 24 7, so don't wait. 800 515 8809. That's 800 515 8809. Again, 800 515 8809.
11: Roofing, siding, or remodeling? What is done right?
12: call doing it right.
11: 724 New Roof.
7: We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at WordFM.com, the WordFM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. If you have a red face or bumps and pimples as an adult, you could have rosacea. 16 million Americans have the skin disorder, often called the great pretender because it can mimic a sunburn or acne. But without treatment, rosacea usually gets worse and becomes a serious burden on daily life. But it doesn't have to. Advances in medical care make clear skin possible. If you have facial redness or bumps and pimples, see a dermatologist or visit the National Rosacea Society at rosacea.org.
14: Tonight will be overcast with a couple of showers of the thunderstorm, mainly early. Expect a nighttime low of 61. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a couple of showers of the thunderstorm. We'll see a high tomorrow of 70. Cloudy skies tomorrow night with a passing shower or two, the low 58. Times of clouds and sun for Wednesday will reach a high Wednesday of 77. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
3: I saw a story in my uh, reading while I was sick here about um, a married couple, and um, they were married way back in 1983, Tim and Melinda O'Brien. And so uh, Tim's telling the story. He's going through some um, old boxes in late March, and uh, there's wedding scrapbooks, letters of congratulations, other mementos, and things like that. But then he found this certificate, and uh, the certificate says, um, um, you paid $38 for a one-night stay in room 314 at the Radisson Mobach Hotel outside of Kansas City. And if uh, you would present this voucher on your anniversary, you can stay at the same rate as you were when you first married. That was 37-plus years ago. Now, um, the hotel closed in 1986, but Tim O'Brien reached out to the Radisson and the general manager said, "Hey, well, we've not had anybody offer that sort of um, th- that certificate for a long time. I'll get back in touch with you." Sure enough, in short order, the general manager called back and said, "Yeah, uh, the rooms go now for two hundred and seventy-five dollars a night, but we can give that rate to you if if you want to do it." And so him and his wife said, "Yeah, sure, why not?" So a fortieth wedding anniversary, where yesterday. 40 years to the day that they were married they went and stayed at the Radisson the Mulbach Radisson or the vestiges of it for uh, 38 bucks That is that?
2: great the yeah. I I wow So from 38 to 200 and what
3: 75 Oh yeah Yeah Tim says he says I remember our room was quaint and charming with high ceilings unfortunately he says we didn't get to stay in it very long because we foolishly arranged to meet our families that morning after our wedding for a opening brunch, a gift opening brunch at 10 a.m. We went to bed that evening, said goodbye to our guests at 3 (laughs) a.m. So that's
2: that's something you wish you did. You could do over.
3: You got that right. Uh, They uh, they raised three kids. They're both retired. She's a music teacher. He was, uh, he worked for a paper company and uh, love lives happily ever after. Very nice.
2: That is a terrific story. You can read more about it in today's Mm -hmm. Washington Post. We need to step away, John. But when we come back, we'll talk about Pilgrim's Progress. It's one of the most famous books in the history of literature. Jeff Stuyvesant, next with us on The Ride Home. 101.5
8: WORD. Summer's just getting started, but already Word FM is talking about heading back to school.
9: Back to school!
8: If you've ever considered sending your child to a Christian school, but the cost was holding you back, check out the WORD half-price tuition deals. Now at WordFM.com. Send your child to a school that's teaching them the same values you're teaching at home for the full year, but only pay for half.
12: See the complete list of schools now at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type two diabetes, A million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. He's on meds, too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750. Right now, MyPillow has a massive closeout sale happening on their all-season slippers. Listeners continually
3: make the slippers the number one selling MyPillow product. And I have a feeling you'll want to stock up now when you hear this offer. Hey, this is John Hall. When you use my promo code WORD, you'll get the all-season slippers for $25, regularly $149.98. That's over $120 in savings. Limited to 10 pairs at checkout, these will sell out, so act now. My slippers have an exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. The patented layers make these slippers ultra-comfortable and extremely durable. They help relieve stress on your feet, and you can wear them anytime, anywhere. They also come in a ton of additional sizes and all-new colors. Just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio podcast square to grab a pair of the all-season slippers for $25, regularly priced at $149.98. Limited to 10 pairs at checkout. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for this incredible offer. That won't last long, so please order now.
11: If you've been praying for healing, this may be your moment. Billy Burke of Billy Burke World Outreach returns to Pittsburgh July 9th and 10th. Get ready for a transformative spiritual experience like none other and witness an evening of healing and divine encounters with renowned evangelist Billy Burke at the Doubletree by Hilton and Cranberry, 7 p.m. Sunday, July 9th, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday, July 10th. Come expecting a miracle. Details at BillyBurke.org. I think
2: of the books that shaped me as a kid. Um, those are the ones I think that are closest to my heart. And, you know, I'd like to say that, you know, the deep, you know, Eastern European literature that I read in college shaped me. And I guess it did. Um, But there was nothing like the stuff that I read when I was little.
3: Like young adult books or things like that? Yeah,
2: I mean, I would say anything like from when I was 16 and under, I think are the ones
3: that that are closest to my heart. name, Name a title.
2: Uh, so I would say my very favorite book of all time, and we're not considering the Bible here, people no, so no. Don't, don't send me nasty. Emails. And they
3: don't have to, this is going to be like a classic wowie zowie, right? Yeah.
2: A Wrinkle in Time by Madeleine oh, Lango sure. is probably my all time favorite book. Right. That's the book I've think I've read more than any other. I read it. I remember my dad got me a copy when I was in third grade. And uh, I, I remember I read it so many times that the, that the, uh, cover fell off. Mm-hmm. And it just really kind of changed how I looked at at the world. I mean, even as an adult. Really? So we were going to talk to Jeff Stuyvesant from Reformed uh, Presbyterian Theological Seminary. We're having a hard time getting him on the phone. It also might be the weather because it's really storming um, where we are. But uh, but Pilgrim's Progress is something that I really didn't come in contact with, John, until I was in
3: college. Well, I was probably in my late 20s.
2: Yeah, And uh, I guess I'd heard of John Bunyan, but I, I, you know, I just didn't really have a connection uh, to Pilgrim's Progress. And in reading it, you know, it's one of those things you think, well, this is it's really wonderful that there is a Christian book that a profoundly Christian book that Mm -hmm. is part of the um, the pedagogy that any writing student or literature student should read. So, I mean, I absolutely love that. Yeah, it's Um, as
3: mainstream as mainstream. What do you say? Mhm.
2: Yeah, and and I think if it was written today that probably there's too much of a divide between sacred and secular now and it probably wouldn't be. Uh people wouldn't be familiar with it. But uh look but when I actually read it the first thing I thought is that it's it's just really it's profound in a lot of ways. The second thing I thought is it's really long.
3: Yeah. Well, um, a, a lot of the, you know, right? What year do you think it was produced? You have any idea? Oh gosh. Uh, what year?
2: You know what? Ah uh, I want to say 18th century but yeah, I I I, I so could too. I yeah. could be
3: off on that. I'm going to look it up though. The journey um, what, what is it isn't it, is it about the journey it's a, like the city of destruction that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, right? The right. Um to the celestial city that's stuff right pilgrim's yeah it's it's his trip
2: yeah. it's pilgrim's trip trip mm-hmm. Uh it, it was seventeen okay, seventeenth century, sixteen seventy-eight. Sixteen seventy eight. Uh, yeah, written by John Bunyan. So That's not funny you would think
3: of, so you, you can't imagine like, you know, the in air quotes, the publishing industry in sixteen seventeen, eight. There was no nothing like that. Right? The miracle is that it was produced in the first place and printed in book form. Yeah. And survived for us to talk about it here in the twenty first century.
2: Yep. Appeared in Dutch in 1681, German 1703, and Swedish 1727. Since then, uh, it's been translated into more than 200 languages, and it has never been out of print.
3: Never been out of print.
2: That's incredible. That's, yeah, that's absolutely cool. incredible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Anyway, but we're not, we're not closer to getting Jeff Stuyvesant. Is this true?
3: That is true. Yeah. He's oh, not, he's not with us here. So that's too bad. Okay. We'll have to push that for All another right. Day. What,
2: what about um, books that you read as a kid? Did anything like stick in your head? John? Well,
3: here's this weird, here's a weird little thing. Uh, this is one of those things. Like I wish I would remember like uh, in our, in our library, was this you? I mean, I was so well known in the library by the librarians, right? And they would and I think this is probably I don't know if this is true today. I guess it is that a lot of kids are so deeply connected to the local library that I formed deep and lasting friendships with these librarians. Mm. And so they would know what you know what you wanted. Anyway, they gave me a book one time, which for the life of me, you know, I cannot remember the title of the book. Oh no. Which it uh, crushes me. Because this, I love this book so much. And, and over the years, of course, since the Internet, I've, like, typed in scenarios or, you know. Right, 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 right. Here's, here's, here's generally the, the theme of the book. And, and <laughs> there was a, a kid who was an orphan, and uh, he's in an orphanage, but he runs away from the orphanage and lives inside a room on top of a gigantic bridge in the city. So, like, you know, like, really, like yeah, in London, like, you
2: know, like in London Bridge?
3: No, like here, like in, like, like New York City, like some kid living inside the Brooklyn Bridge. Wow. By himself okay. in a little room that he, you know, he found he goes into this because, you know, like when you go across bridges, sometimes, like, you know, uh, at the entrance of the bridges, there's doors. Yeah. You seen that? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I always thought right. that, that was so cool.
3: So you go inside the door and up the steps and there's this room and this kid, you know, escapes the authorities and lives by himself. And then somehow he befriends a couple. They get to know him. This married Oh, no. And, and
2: then they adopt him. Of course they do. Oh, that's <laughs> Okay, of course he Okay. If we have any listeners that actually might hazard a guess as to what the story is, please call Lexi at 800 320
3: 8255. The kid inside the bridge. 800 320 8255. My heart's desired to know. That's like, I love really the way that that's a shame. That's a shame.
2: That's all. Yeah, my but local like, yeah. library which was Northland. Um Phew. I was super invested in. Um I really Me liked too. the the Betsy Tacy books when I was little. Yeah. I, I was very very into those. Of course Nancy Drew. Yeah. Of course Trixie Belden. Mm-hmm. Of course the Bobsy twins. Hardy boys? Hardy boys not as much. Well, not boys. as much. Yeah, cuz they're okay. boys. Um and then we got into Narnia. Mm-hmm. And things really took off. You know, we did all of those, and then, um, of course, the sequel to A Wrinkle in Time, um, A Wind in the Door, and then Swiftly Tilting Planet, and then mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Those are the those are the books when I look back that I absolutely loved, yeah. absolutely loved. Anyway, right. um, I'm sure we all have books like that. Um, and I, I guess the, the big sadness to me, John, is that when you were away last week, Lexi and I talked about a story that came out based on survey results, um, that this will not surprise you, but the nation's report card is not looking good for 13 year olds. So post pandemic, oh. the, the math uh, scores are, are very, very bad and the reading scores are incredibly bad. The number that jumped out at me, John, is for 13 year olds, only 14 percent across the nation ever read for pleasure. What? 14%. Holy smoke. And they said that it's not just reading, but math scores are also linked to Mm. kids who like Mm. to read. So kids that read as kids, when they get to be 13 and they're tested, then their math and reading scores are both higher because they've been invested in books. And so this doesn't portend very well for the future of USA at this point.
3: So I wonder, you know, of course, the, the obvious connection is, you know, smartphones, right? Kids yeah. aren't reading because they've got self. I mean, how many, I'm sure you, your kids were like this. We were like this in the summertime too. I mean, our kids would spend hour after hour lying on the couch, reading books, yep. going to the library and bringing home like 22 books, Yep. right? Massive books. Now, sometimes the pain was they would, of course, read a lot, but then some of those books would disappear. And then there would always be late fees or... How many books did you buy? Too oh. many books. Oh, and then and then six months or six years later. Oh, we found. Oh, look what book. I just found. Yeah, there's Pilgrim's Progress. Right, there
2: right it. under the sofa. Right. I thought somebody looked there. Somebody said they looked under the sofa.
3: <laughs> I consider it a small price to pay, right? I mean, of course, right?
2: You're absolutely right. Heck? It is a yeah. small price to pay. Anyway, if you got little people in your life, or you know, it's never too late to start. If you've never really liked to read. I think the most important thing is to find something you like first. Don't worry about, you know, stepping in and reading something that's super, you know, erudite or some work of literature that you think you should read. Read something that you like first. And then once you actually learn to like reading, then a whole world will open up to you.
3: Fabulous. Okay, we'll take a, a quick break. Step away. It's the Monday edition of The Ride Home. We thank you for being with us here. And uh, we're moving forward to, uh, what are we talking about next? Oh, this day in history, cal Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. It's a big day in history. We'll fill feel, feel you in on those details in just a few minutes. For Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, it's 101.5 Word FM. That's W-O-R-T.
11: Doing it right. Roofing, siding, remodeling. The first Owens Corning MVP in Pittsburgh and one of the longest tenured platinum contractors in the Pittsburgh region.
15: Call 724 New Roof. The recent bank failures are serving as a warning about how fragile our banking system really is. As millions of Americans panic, do you know what central banks are doing? Well, they're actually buying up gold at record levels. They're relying on it as a safe haven during these difficult times. That's how confident they are in the dollar. Hi, I'm Lance Wallnow, Christian author and evangelical leader to millions of people just like you. We're all Americans who want to protect our family's savings no matter what. I tell people the best option is to diversify their 401k or IRA into physical gold or silver with the help of Birch Gold Group. To see how it works, just text the word FAITH. To the number 989898 98 98 to get a free information kit on gold IRAs. Look, there's no strings attached. It's not going to hurt you to take action now. So take the first step today and educate yourself. Get your free info kit when you text Faith to 989898 98 98 right now. And I pray you and your family are greatly blessed.
4: I think we can all agree that every moment at Eden shaped us and impacted who we are
6: right now.
11: The faith modeled by teachers at Eden Christian Academy has a profound impact on students' lives.
6: We
16: carry with us more than the academics, but a strong, Christ-centered foundation. I would just like to thank my teachers, my mentors, my family members, and my friends who have done the best they could to help me in this next phase of my life.
11: Eden Christian Academy, enrolling pre-K through 12th grade at EdenChristianAcademy.org
4: guys. If you're frustrated with online dating, give Pittsburgh Singles a try. If you're between 38 and 43, single, Christian, educated, and family-oriented, Pittsburgh Singles has two particular VIP women you might want to meet. These beautiful, educated, local Christian women are looking for the same thing you are, the possibility of forever love with someone who shares their faith and values. Could that be you? Take three easy steps to find out with Pittsburgh's premier matchmaking service at Pittsburgh- singles.com
15: nefarious the
11: number one movie on salemnow.com
12: execution scheduled for 11 p.m he's trying to convince us he's gone insane i'm a demon here's what kirk
0: tatum and prager say about nefarious a modern day screw tape letters teenagers especially should see it it makes you think about the true nature of evil and scares the heavens right into you
5: it is a fascinating movie It's absolutely gripping nefarious
11: rated r watch it now at the same Roofing, siding, or remodeling. Seven two
12: four new roof.
2: This day in history was a big day if you were a kid and you liked to read, Mm. because Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling was published, and it launched—I don't know—it launched an entirely new. Creative space for people um, who read the book were invested in it and not and couldn't even imagine what was to come. Mm. I mean, the first book is such a wonderful, wonderful book, but to think ab- about the incredibly winding story and how it goes on—I mean, it's just incredible. John, you have any idea what year that was? Uh, Two thousand
3: and. Six?
2: 97.
3: Oh my gosh! Nineteen ninety-seven. In-
2: isn't that incredible? Nineteen ninety-seven. Now, Lexi, I want to bring you in on the conversation. Um, Lex, when did you read Harry Potter for the first time?
4: Um, I probably read it. I was young, and I think my dad was still alive, so I was probably like eight or nine. So we read it together. Okay. Oh, and w- and did you love it right away, or did it take you a while? Oh,
2: I loved it right away. It was oh, really good. Isn't it wonderful? It's so oh good. my gosh. <laughs> I didn't I mean, read I didn't read it until probably uh 2012. Oh really? Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I when didn't, your kids first read it is when you read it?
2: They read it first, and then I read it after they had read it.
3: Mm-hmm. We so, read it at the same time.
2: Yeah. So I yeah, so I was late to the party.
3: Interesting. I mean it's so shocking in that it's so original. There's nothing like it, and it came out of the blue. I mean, it wasn't as though you know J.K. Rowling was established already. It was right. like this lightning bolt, right? Right,
2: Lexi. When you think of, can you think of other books that remind you of uh, Harry Potter or something that maybe you read that got you
4: ready for Harry Potter? I not off the top of my head, really. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like Harry Potter is definitely one of a kind. Yeah, um, in that way. But yeah, but I feel like once you get more into it. Once you get into the later books, you see much more the influence of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Yes, that is for sure. Um, But yeah, Harry Potter, I think, was my introduction to those kind of books rather than anything else. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. How
3: about the frenzy when the first Harry Potter movie was released? I mean, our kids were like... They were, it was like the Beatles were coming to town, or something right. like that. That's that's what it felt like. Yep. it was hysteria almost.
2: Yeah, it was. And what about the the overnight waits when the new book would come out? Oh you my know, gosh. when you know, uh, Prisoner copy. of Azkaban was coming out. All of a sudden, people are like lining up around you know blocks and blocks and in, in front of bookstores in New York City.
3: Will that ever happen again? I wonder. Something so cataclysmic, especially in young adult fiction. I hope so.
2: I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope we're not, we don't, I mean, I don't think fan fiction is a horrible idea, but I hope we don't waste too much time in it and we end up,
4: good ideas end up staying there. Lexi, you have some thoughts on that? Honestly, I think that fan fiction, unfortunately, is making a way in, um, like, turning into novels and then turning into movies. I feel like Mm. that's what's making the way. Um, I have to look this up, but like the love hypothesis is a Kylo Ren and Rey Skywalker fan fiction. I think it was that was that's what it was originally published is that as. Right, that is right. Um, and so that's like kind of a theme that I'm seeing with like new, like more up and coming books is that they're just rewritten to take out the names of, um, like the people they're actually written about, which I think is. Unfortunate.
2: <laughs> okay, so wait, so th- so that would mean the people that are doing fan fiction are just
4: like people are taking their ideas. Well, it's not necessarily like taking their ideas. So, like the people that are writing the fan fictions are realizing like they're getting a lot of traction. They're saying, "Oh, let me just change the names and the settings of these things," hmm. um, and, and then I'll, I can make them original. And I can make them original. Yeah. Um, that's happened with a couple other things like um, a Netflix movie called After, I think, was a fan fiction before it was a movie. Um, the Love Hypothesis is now a book. I I have to look up if it's turning into a movie. But um, and the most notorious one is Fifty Shades of Grey, um, which right. is a gross movie. But <laughs> that is like gross the book. most yeah gross book, too. But that is the most um, notorious version of it because that was originally a Twilight fan fiction. Interesting. Yeah. If you didn't so, know,
3: you know. Uh, so I wonder if people are writing fan fiction with the idea that they're going to replicate J.K. Rowling in some way, right? That lightning in a bottle. Oh,
2: yeah. If they're going to try with a new idea.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And of course, a film series behind that. And I mean, J.K. Rowling's a multi, multi, multi millionaire, but I don't think, she, you know, she went into this with that idea. But of course, success would breed success.
2: No, I mean, she went into it as a broken person, right, right? who was yeah. who was who was looking for a way to uh, support herself Process. and her kid. But I think also you have to have a, a degree of brilliance to be able to do what she did. And people who haven't read Harry Potter, I think it's interesting how uh, how how the Christian subculture responded to Harry Potter initially. Yeah, initially, Um, the Christian school that my kids went to, it wasn't even allowed to be, you weren't allowed no. to bring it in. If you were reading it, it wasn't in the library. Mm-hmm, it wasn't no. in any of those things. And then fast forward to now, I feel like it's, it's embraced. It, yeah, it's not near. It's not nearly the issue it was. Yeah. And it just to me, even at the time, it just seemed like people were uh weren't really aware of the history of Christians who wrote fantasy books. And so people would have been excited about the Chronicles of Narnia without realizing how many similarities there were. Yeah.
3: But of course, you know, anything that has to do with, you know, witchcraft or spells or incantations. Right. I mean, and rightfully so. Well, well,
2: yeah, because some people can take things Uh, way, way too far. I mean, the people that are, you know, living, you know, in the in a Harry Potter subculture. I mean, that's super creepy. But that that can be the case with any movie or any idea. Right. Right.
3: Right. Right. Yeah, it's very yeah. weird. Anyway, uh, happy anniversary! Right? Yep. Today's the day.
2: Today's the day. I, so, might have to, uh, I might have to watch the movie tonight to kind of celebrate.
0: You See? know, when
3: I, I forget this, I don't know how does the series. Do you remember how the series ends, book wise versus movie wise?
2: You mean is hard... it the same? Yeah, With... is it
3: the same exit? Yeah, but I is. mean okay. there
2: are, there are a lot there are a lot more details in the book. Yeah, but they it basically ends in the same way.
3: Ends okay, all right. Yeah.
2: Yeah a well, to... fan of the movie or no?
4: I personally love the movie. I think yeah. it's great.
2: Me too. I, re- I saw the movies first before I read the books. Yeah. So I was kind of going in the opposite direction. But,
3: man. Now it's kind of funny. I mean, th- those who uh, who became major motion picture stars from the movies have turned against J.K. Rowling. Right? I mean, it's just the, the weird age that we live right? in now. Someone's, you know, opened the door for you and... Um, all of a sudden, J.K. Rowling's a villain in a lot of different circles here,
2: yep. which is heartbreaking.
3: That's exactly
2: right. All right. We're taking a break for news and weather. And then after that, we're going to talk about U.S. church attendance and how it relates to the numbers that were uh, available before the pandemic. And then we're going to turn our attention to families, smartphones, uh, iPads, social media, video games. We'll see what kirk Yorkland has to say about that
7: 101.5 wordfm pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying lay the word pittsburgh and on your phone via the word fm mobile app iheart TuneIn, and odyssey think discount code eric
14: with srn news i'm john scott after a russian uprising over the weekend president biden says the u.s and its allies have been closely coordinated on events in that country
5: we gave Putin no excuse, let me emphasize, we gave Putin no excuse to blame this on the West or to blame this on NATO. We made clear that we were not involved. We had nothing to do with it. This was part of a struggle within the Russian system.
14: Meanwhile, from Russia, Wagner head Yevgeny Proghizhen has released the first audio statement since the rebellion, defending the move as a reaction to an attack on his force that killed some 30 of his fighters. Meanwhile, the Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu has demanded his ouster. The Dow had 57 points. The NASDAQ is down 82. This is SRN News.
16: Hi, I'm Olivia and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes.
1: You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing? You were actually listening?
16: Absolutely. I'm like Alexa.
1: Okay, so how does Jandy waterproofing protect your home?
16: By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And by not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow.
1: Pretty good.
16: Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And JD waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage.
1: I couldn't have said it better myself.
16: Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1 800 very dry.
1: JD waterproofing. 1 800 very dry. Let's see if something costs less, but
14: people are happier with it. That sounds like something to look into. And that's Metashare. Maybe you've heard switching to Metashare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for Metashare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Metashare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a prize within two minutes very very smart use of two minutes here's the number you need 844-47-BIBLE that's 844-47-BIBLE 844-47-BIBLE just when you thought it couldn't get any better
3: Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0 when Mike invented MyPillow it had everything you could ever want in a pillow now nearly 20 years later he's discovered a new technology that makes it even better the MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now has a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread, the MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. Hey, this is John Hall. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code WORD. MyPillow 2.0 temperature-regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought My Pillow couldn't get any better my pillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever enter promo code word or call 800-391-0954 to get your my pillow 2.0s now
14: Tonight will be overcast with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm, okay, mainly early. Expect a nighttime low of 61. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. We'll see a high tomorrow of 70. Cloudy skies tomorrow night with a passing shower or two. That's the low nice, is yes. Times of clouds and 70. sun for Wednesday will reach a high Wednesday of 77. Sleeping. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
2: Welcome into the Monday edition of The Ride Home, Hour 2. I'm Kathy Emmons from the home studio via Zoom. Lexi Merritt keeping the trains running on time in the Word FM studios. And our special guest this hour is John Hall.
3: Greetings. Good afternoon to you. Uh, it's a Monday, and uh, I figured it was payday, so I'd stop by and, and grab the old check and say hello to everybody.
2: John, we've missed you terribly. Yeah, Welcome you back. Guys. Give smokes. us give us a health update. People have been calling the station, emails, uh, social, you name it. Like really? where where's John Hall and what's gone on?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm here. Um, I fell into a hole of uh, bronchitis. Uh, at first, I kind of thought you know I was hacking, runny nose, uh, achy. I thought maybe it's COVID. It's not COVID. I had a couple of tests and uh, I'm good to go there, but I'm telling you it's, this is going on three plus weeks of me ramping up. I have coughed so much. My ribs are sore. Oh my uh, gosh. You know, you know what that's like? I mean, yeah. And, and yeah. I haven't been sick all throughout COVID. I, I didn't get sick. I haven't been sick in years. And, and, you know, with the S on the end of that, it's been a long time since I've been ill, but it has got me deep in the hold. And um, I'm hoping, I think so, that I'm finally making a slow turnaround and coming out of it. But I think this is just as a precaution, you and I are broadcasting from the home studios.
2: Right, exactly. So John is at uh, in his spare room in the east part of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I'm in my spare room in the north part of Pittsburgh. Very nice. And as I said, Lexi Merritt is controlling everything in Greentree. All right, John. Um, so before COVID, yep. uh, church attendance was declining over the decades from i would say 1958 yeah. uh to 19 or to 2020. Um and then of course people weren't worshiping in person and then once things opened up after the pandemic then people started kind of slowly coming back slowly. trickling back people had different viewpoints on whether it was safe or not blah blah blah. Right. Um but now that it's you know summer of 2023 where are we?
3: Okay so this is interesting uh, this came out uh, today from Pew Pew says that US church attendance has shown a small but noticeable decline compared with what it was before the pandemic how about that so here's 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 their um here's their numbers in the four years before the pandemic twenty sixteen through twenty nineteen an average of thirty four percent of u s adults said they had attended church synagogue, mosque, or temple in the past seven days okay 30, 34 percent from twenty twenty to today the average has been 30%, including a 31% reading in May 1 through May 24. Mm, Okay. So not that far off. Uh, They say that Pew continues to go on. The recent church attendance levels are about 10% points lower than what Gallup measured in 2012 and uh, most prior years. So the pandemic caused millions of Americans, as you said, Kath, to avoid public gatherings and many houses of worship were closed, of course, because of COVID. But uh, people were able to worship, Pew says, remotely through uh, broadcasts over the internet, television, or radio. And most of those who reported attending religious services in 2020 said they did so virtually, even accounting for remote attendance. However, church attendance figures were lower than in prior years.
2: Mm-hmm. Even taking the virtual component into yep. account.
3: Mm-hmm. OK. Attendance rates since uh, 2020, Pew says, are lower among nearly every major worship group. The main exceptions are groups that had lower levels of a church attendance before the pandemic, including adults with no religious affiliation and political liberals. Okay. Well,
2: I I feel like that's just a case of people getting out of the habit. Like anything else, you don't exercise. You don't exercise for a while. It's hard to get back into exercising. You, you know, eat, you know, a, a soda every day at three o'clock. It's going to be hard to break that habit. Yeah. Right. Um. So I think COVID went on for a really long time, Neither and I think ever. it just got people out of the habit of doing that on Sunday, and they filled that time with something else.
3: Yeah. How, uh, how about uh, what, what were your feelings about virtual attendance? Did you like it?
2: Uh, I had kind of a complicated view on that. I mean, I was grateful for it because I felt like it did connect me with people um, and my family with people on a weekly basis. Um, the way our church did it, I actually thought was really fun. It was just like a different, a different family would do a, a, every different part of the service, you know? So one yeah. family would pop up and you'd say, Oh, look at them. We haven't right, seen them right. for a while. We're looking. Yeah, so I kind of like that. Um, I didn't miss, I mean, I I did it every week. You know, it's not like I thought, oh, well, this is a waste of time. I never thought that it was a waste of time. What did you think?
3: Um, it was a novelty for me, right? It was fun at first, but then I quickly tired of it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to be in person more than anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and really happy that it passed. I would say, at least for our church, fairly quick, we were back in the pews again. Yeah. Um, and, what you know, whatever people said, whether, you know, you were sitting apart from each other, people were wearing masks or whatnot. I mean, uh, uh, appreciate all the efforts and, of course, all the technology. I mean, we're here; we are today. I mean, the rise of Zoom is what yep. empowered that to happen. Right. So grateful for that. But but there's nothing like being in person, uh, shoulder to shoulder with people, singing, praying, worshiping in that communal setting. I mean, it's just it's uniquely one of a kind. I, yeah. And I missed it, and I'm glad it's ba- I'm glad it's over.
2: So for people who haven't uh, returned to uh, regular church attendance, John. This is, uh, this might be a, a challenge. Um, I was pretty satisfied with the online experience. I really was. I, I did it every week. Like I said, it was okay. Yeah. Um, and the first week back when our church reopened, all I could think of during the service is, I can't believe how much I've missed this, yeah. but I didn't think so at the time. So when I wasn't there, I wasn't missing it, but when I went back, all of a sudden it was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot how awesome it is to be doing this. So maybe for people who just have, you know, not returned, they just forget how great it can be one person next to another worshiping regularly. And so if they went back, maybe they would have the same experience as me and think, Oh my gosh, I'm never giving this up again.
3: Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the key thing is to, it, it's, a, it's a muscle, as you said, Katha, it's a habit. So if you haven't gone back for any number of reasons, maybe wade into it and make a commitment and say, you know what? For the next six weeks, I'm going to show up. I'll yeah. do six weeks. And of course that will build the muscle to be back again. And you know, people are still coming into my church and you go, Hey, I haven't seen you forever. And you go, I'm yeah. back. I'm coming back. Uh, missed you guys. So I'm finally back. And it just kind of like, you know, people were sleeping in and were lazy about it, but that's no good. You want to be in church? This,
2: this couple came into my church last week and they both had masks on because there's a, a medical frailty in their immediate family um, with one of their parents. But so they had masks on. I wasn't really sure who they were because of the masks. Couldn't you know it. what I mean? We've all right. been through that anyway. Um, the the woman. uh took her mask off, and she was like, Kathy, it's me. And I said, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize it. Do you know why I didn't realize it was them? Why? They had two children. They had two children. Two babies. Last time I saw them, they had no children. Uh, Now they have two children. That's funny. And I was like, how long has it been since I've seen Yeah. Years. A lot lot can happen in three years.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Good. Well, glad they're back. And so maybe those kids are up in the children's nursery, right? Yep.
2: Exactly. Yes. One of them is very new and very adorable.
3: Excellent. All yeah. right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're yeah. going to talk with um, Kurt Bjorklund in just a few minutes from Orchard Hill Church. What about the rise of uh, this new reality for all of us? We've talked about this. Smartphones, social media, and your kids. Kurt has some guidance and some wisdom on, on that. Stick around. It's First Christian Talk. It's the right home. Here we are. Word of it?
7: 101.5 i R D.
8: I'm Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of joining you each day to open the Word of God and ask for His input. And I'm convinced the challenges we face in today's world are more spiritual than they are political or economic. Exploring God's Word together is refreshing. It equips us for everything that comes our way. Join me and let's see what God has in store for us today. A fresh look at Scripture, weekday mornings at nine thirty. Alan Jackson Ministries on 101.5 W O R D. If you
13: Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. For more than
10: a century, AM radio has evolved to meet the needs of our community. In their car, at home, or on the job, more than 80 million listeners depend on AM radio each month. AM radio is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, which keeps us safe in dangerous times. It's reliable, free, and public safety depends on it. Text AM to 52886 And tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. As
1: a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of
11: satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said.
8: Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com surroundpittsburgh.com connecting you with
11: new customers surroundpittsburgh.com if you've been praying for healing, this may be your moment. Billy Burke of Billy Burke World Outreach returns to Pittsburgh July 9th and 10th. Get ready for a transformative spiritual experience like none other and witness an evening of healing and divine encounters with renowned evangelist Billy Burke at the Doubletree by Hilton and Cranberry, 7 p.m. Sunday, July 9th, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday, July 10th. Come expecting a miracle. Details at BillyBurke.org. Burke.org. Mm-hmm.
2: When it comes to kids and social media and smartphones, it's just so complicated. And I think we can get really judgy of each other and say, you know, look at that family and say, well, they're doing it wrong. And right. But there's none of us, I don't think, are fully confident that we're navigating this era appropriately. Um, my kids are both out of high school now, and we talk often about the mistakes that, you know, my husband and I made.
3: We talk when about we were it, introduc-
2: Yeah, when we were introducing smartphones, we just... I, I, we're kind of muddling through. I mean, I feel like there's got to be a better way. At least at this point, there's experience and there are people who've thought through the issues. Um, right. Whereas you I feel and like- You
3: first generation.
2: Yeah, we were. We were like, you know, the experimental phase. Um, but to talk about some of the things that we've learned and perhaps to give us some uh, well-earned advice, we've invited the Reverend Kurt Bjorklund back onto the show. Kurt is the senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Kurt, welcome back.
6: Thank you. Good to be with you.
3: Always our pleasure, Kurt. So, uh, Kurt, as you heard, uh, Kath and I, uh, our kids are very similar in ages, just a couple of years apart. And, uh, you know, we, we were sort of that first generation of smartphone families. I think we held out for a pretty long time, although in retrospect, I kind of regret that I did it uh, when I did. I think my, my my oldest boy got a smartphone when he was 14. Uh, Having known what I know now, and probably he would raise his eyebrows at this, I wouldn't have done it. I would have waited until, you know, he was 17 or so. So, uh, of course, you at Orchard Hill, there's a large congregation that uh, you're part of and your own family as well. You and your wife, as Cass said, you've got four sons. Uh, How did you work it out in your life? What do you guys do for the rules of smartphones?
6: Well, that's. A great question. I'd actually like to hear since Kathy introduced the idea that her kids told her the mistakes she made. I want to hear what those are. That's uh, yeah. that's a great yeah. tease comment. I want to hear what they said first.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what they said. Um, and we were sitting around the table and uh, it was both of my daughters, one of my daughter's boyfriends and my husband and I, and we started talking about smartphones. And um, one of them said, I wish I wouldn't have gotten one until I was out of high school. Mm. And I said, really? And I we were trying to remember when she got her first one. And I think it was like eighth grade. Might have been. Yeah, I think it was eighth grade. And uh, we were going on it. She was going on a trip like she was in a traveling choir. And so it was Again, we were sucked into it, Kurt, because you want your kid to be safe and be able to communicate with you. Right. So, of course, you know, she needed a phone. But um, I she thinks that we trusted her too much. Hmm. So we assumed that she would not go on sites that did X, Y or Z. And she's like, why would you think I wouldn't do that? And I was like, well, I I don't I. I, I love you. I, I assumed the best, yeah. and I guess I shouldn't have. Kurt, what do what do you think about that?
6: Yeah, that's a. It's really an interesting uh, question on a lot of levels. There's a. There's certainly content that kids can get into that is um, dubious, and if I think back to myself at fifteen, fourteen, sixteen, yeah. and you give me a phone without a check or a balance on it, and I'll probably make some bad choices, yep. and so. I think to have some kind of filter or procedure, uh, we tried for a while to do the computer in the main room and have everything on there. And then obviously as time went, the kids would get their phones at some point. And then we tried to have them leave their phones out of their rooms at night at least. We always did the I can look at your phone at any time and anything that's erased is – suspect. So if you erase your history, that's problematic for me, kind of a thing. When they were, you know, in early high school, as they matured through high school, the restrictions or checks got to be less. I don't know that there's a universally right answer. Every kid's different. I think you have to look at the content that they're getting at. I think you have to look at the time they're spending and not spending on other things because of it. And I think you have to look at the social pressure. And this is one that people often forget. People think about the content. They think about the time. But when I was a kid, for example, you'd go to school and then you'd go home. And other than if somebody called you on your landline, you didn't, you didn't have to deal with school till the next day, really. Yeah, um, and so you had a little break. And one of the things that happens with smartphones is kids don't ever have a break from school and from the social pressure. And that is real. And I think there's something really wise to saying, I'm going to be the one who puts the phone away at a certain time. And you can blame me all you want to your friends on why you're not on and you're missing. But there's no need for a kid who's, you know, middle school, early high school to be constantly accessible. To all of the pressures of school and the peer pressure network. So I think every kid's a little different, every situation's different, but those are three things I would watch very specifically, and I would try to be uh, more engaged than less engaged. So whatever you think the engagement level is, I would try to be more engaged. But I think there's also a a really important principle here, uh, for me at least, and that is, At some point, your kids will go off to college and have complete access. And so I want to, just like I do with things or did with things like curfews and driving and responsibility, give them progressively more freedom as they show responsibility so that when the day comes that they have full access to a cell phone, it's not this, whoa, I've never learned how to manage it. Uh, at all, but I know that that's hard to do to give it in little doses. So those are, those are a few of the things, but I would pay a special attention to the, to the social component, not just the content and the time. That's
3: good. Kurt Druglin's with us from Orchard Hill Church. Kurt, I, I remember years ago, you know, when uh, the, the rise of the cell phone, when you heard of the story, and I think most of us have heard this story of, you know, the Apple creators or Apple executives who refused to give their children smartphones. And you'd think, what the heck? Those guys already okay. knew the danger of what they were handing to us. And, of course, you know, they had the wherewithal to sort of skip it. But, I, I you know, the big thing I think what you're saying here is, is really key, is that when 3 o'clock came or, four, you know, after practice of, of baseball or choir or whatnot, and school was over, you left school behind. But now kids are in school 24-7, and for a lot of kids that, you know, that FOMO, that FOMO, fear of missing out drives them to be on that phone continuously. And of course that goes with popularity and bullying and all the different things that go with it, which could crush a child's spirit.
6: Absolutely. And even just to teach healthy habits, how many adults do you know who can't go an hour without looking at their phone? Right. And so even to help your child learn to be present in a moment, check their phone, then put their phone down. So for example, in an evening to say, okay, we're going to be phone free. And again, age dependent, I'm not saying a universal, but to say, let's be phone free. while you do your homework and learn to focus. And then after dinner, we'll have an hour of phone time or whatever it is. And I think there's something healthy to trying to help kids learn some of those habits. But again, every kid, every situation is a little unique.
2: Yeah, but you're bringing up a good point, Kurt. Is that if we're just raising kids who can follow our rules well, the then yeah, that, that's not really what we what we're that's not what I was going for as a parent. You know, I really wanted my kids to be able to reason and to count the cost and to you know know that their faith in Jesus is uh is a 24 seven thing. It's not something that, you know, you put into gear on a Sunday and then you forget about on Tuesday night, but it's all of life. And so if that's what we're trying, if that's the place we're trying to get our kids to, then wisdom and good judgment have to be what we're trying to teach in the interim. Kurt,
4: how do you feel about that?
6: I completely agree. We tried to do something with our kids that we had heard about, and that was we tried to have them get to a place of what we called self-government by the time they were seniors in high school, where we didn't give rules, stipulations, guidelines. There were still some things around the house. You're going to help with fishes. You're going to treat people with respect. But in terms of managing your own life, and our thought process was, If you're nine months from going to college, I would rather you decide on curfews and everything now Well, I can still at least interact with you about it and talk about it. And so our whole mindset wasn't we're trying to control our kids all the way through high school so they don't make big mistakes. It was we're trying to influence their thinking so that they can make choices and navigate the world when they aren't in our home. And those are two very different mindsets in terms of how you parent. Because if you're parenting to influence thinking, you're going to let your kids make mistakes, rather than having boundaries that always keep them from mistakes, but you're going to try to help them learn the lessons of those mistakes, and make course corrections from those mistakes, yeah. and be part of those conversations. But that's a different kind of parenting. And that probably applies to, to the cell phone, the cell phone is you You still have to be a smartphone, you still have to be aware enough when your kid is younger younger, to see when they're, um, you know, getting sucked in um, to a world that isn't healthy in terms of, of just the content and the time and the social pressure.
3: Right. We're talking with Kurt Bjorklund. He's senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Kurt, I don't think I've ever asked a pastor this before, but what's it like for you there you are in the pulpit every Sunday morning. You look uh, look out over the congregation. There has to be a percentage of people who are not looking at you or engaged with you. They're looking at their phones. Is that true?
6: You know, it's. Uh, I guess one of the good things about a bigger room is it's really hard to see. Uh, as many people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I know sometimes when I get in a smaller room and i and I see you know can see everybody in the room, and you say, "Why is that person not looking at me? Why are they not paying attention?" Yes, yeah, yeah, um, so I only really can see kind of the edges of of the room in all honesty at orchard Hill, so so i don 't actually see it. Um, Totally. And maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe I would be more um interesting if I saw people tune out and get on their phones. So <laughs>
2: Or maybe so. you'd be more depressed or angry or who yeah, knows. Right, so right, right. you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss, Kirk. <laughs> yes it is, yeah. yeah.
6: Or I all assume right, they're checking the Bible passage that I'm of reading. course, yes, of course. They're all on that, they're on the Bible Gateway. I'm sure that's what they're doing. Rather than uh, you know, checking out their Instagram.
2: Right. right. At, at my church, uh several months ago, the pastor was preaching and he preaches from his iPad. And while he was preaching, he got an email that came in from somebody who was, like, in the congregation right in front of him.
4: He was like, really?
2: Mm, really? Like, you You couldn't have waited <laughs> to send the email? Well, they
3: were <laughs> correcting theology.
6: No. It was something yeah. that wasn't
2: even connected. It was, like, oh, about, man. you know, ancillary church business, and he's getting
6: in the middle of the sermon. And so he added on to, like, deliver his email right to his iPad. Yeah, his, it, was, it was like
2: the, notif- the notification came up, like, email from such and such. And he was like, oh, I'm just looking at the guy.
3: Guy's 15 feet away from me.
6: That's pretty funny.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Okay, Kurt, tell us about Orchard Hill.
6: Well, great things. Uh, we're about to hit Kids Fest here in July, which is uh, happening at our Butler campus, uh, our Strip District campus, and then our Wexford campus, and uh, three great weeks at Wexford. Our South Point location is going to transition from being a launch group into what we're calling a community gathering here in August, which means we'll kind of move from a smaller group that's exploring having a campus there to public invitation and a chance to be a part of the group that would launch a campus there. We have another uh, launch group starting up in Beaver, uh, Beaver Valley area. Uh, that'll start in August as well. So a lot of, a lot of fun, good things happening. Uh, our Haiti mission and ministry continues to thrive. We're exploring another church plant there as well uh, here in the coming days.
3: Fabulous. That's a vital congregation, Orchard Hill Church. Pastor Kurt Kirk Jorklund with us. Kurt, always a great pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us today.
6: All right. Have a great day.
3: And you as well. We'll take a quick break and come back. For the first time in a long time, does this make sense? That's next here on Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's the ride home on 101.5 Word FM, WORD. The world is ever-changing. Fashion, automobiles, news, Turn around, and the world is it's, always different. Everything's changed. However, God never changes. God is eternal. Transient, yes, life is. But if you're thinking about embedding yourself in the eternal truth of God, and you're a young, soon-to-be college student, I would say, look at Grove City College.
2: It's hard to think through these things, you know. It's hard to think through the news today. It's hard to think through issues that affect people, you know. Issues of truth and justice, and all, and what it means to follow Jesus and be an intellectual person in the world. Um, you need a guide. You need mentors. You need professors that care about you, um, who know you, and who are willing to. Speak into your life, if asked. And uh, on a college campus, sometimes that type of mentorship is a hard thing to find.
3: I'm into that. So, if you're thinking about applying to colleges in this new semester, your son, your daughter, you yourself, where do you end up? Where do you spend four years of hard-earned study? We'd say Grove City College. The eternal truth of Christ. That is what's necessary for life to flourish. GCC.edu, Grove City College.
11: Doing it right, roofing, siding, remodeling. Specializing in roof replacements for churches and places of worship for nearly 40 years. For the church roof replacement specialist in Pittsburgh and the surrounding area, call 724 New Roof today for a free quote.
17: In the good old summertime, in the good old summertime. It may sound a little corny, but it really is the good old summertime at the Springhouse in 84. The sun is shining, the cows are out on the pasture, the sweet corn is almost ready, the Springhouse produce tables are filled with freshly picked vegetables, and we're up to our elbows in ice cream. And you know what? That all makes the Springhouse a very fun place to be. Why not jump in the car right now for a country drive to 84? Come for homemade lunch or supper or just to eat ice cream and enjoy sweet country air. Be sure to take home our famous chocolate milk and baked goods. Don't forget that. We're just four miles east of Washington on Route 136, and it doesn't take long to get to us. Call 228-3339 for more directions to the Spring House in 84.
7: Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh.
14: Tonight will be overcast with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm, mainly early. Expect a nighttime low of 61. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. We'll see a high tomorrow of 70. Cloudy skies tomorrow night with a passing shower or two. The low 58. Times of clouds and sun for Wednesday will reach a high Wednesday of 77. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
2: Does this make sense?
3: Does what make sense?
2: <laughs> running.
3: <laughs> you mean running to flee someone?
2: <laughs> well, John, you can take it however you want to take it. I mean, I was thinking of running for exercise. Yeah. But if you want to look at it in a more meta perspective, you more than welcome. No, I get
3: it. To. I just... Um, yeah. People who like to run, right? I mean, whether it's... Maybe, um, yeah, look
2: at the marathon. Look at the great race. Yes. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a lot of people very much like running.
3: Yeah. Well, my own history with running is a little clouded. I used to run in high school, but I have really... My kids have the same... I have bad ankles. Mm. So I roll those ankles all the time. So I'm not a runner. I've never been a runner. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, <laughs> it's been many, many years. But I see it, and I wish I wish that I had that that love and that passion for it, because I do know there's a lot of benefits from being a long distance runner. So mm-hmm. it does. I think it makes sense. Yeah, it does. You're saying?
2: Yeah, I don't think it does, John. What? No, I don't think so. Here's. The, what? I was out today. I was taking a, a, a walk with my daughter. Yeah. And someone went running by. Mm-hmm. We were walking. We were walking briskly. I will say, but yeah. they 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 ran by. And first off, um, the the running that they were doing was only incrementally faster than our walking. Like it wasn't like they flew by me. It was like tiny, and I thought that seems like a lot of effort to go up and down. Instead of it didn't seem like that the the person was being propelled forward, and it seemed like they were very unhappy.
3: Well, they were they unhappy?
2: So unhappy. There was sighing and and. Mm. A lot of angst. And I thought,
3: I, well, they I probably had an elevated heart rate, though. That was good for them. Yeah, I, but That's so point, did I.
2: Right? So I, I'm just going to land on it doesn't make sense. John. Hmm,
3: I, I think running does make sense. OK.
16: All
3: right. Um, does this make sense? Soothing lotion Kleenex.
16: Oh, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Now, here's the deal with my, my relationship with soothing lotion Kleenex. The first time I saw the ads for it, I was like, are you kidding me? What a bunch of babies. Now, after I've had this bronchitis cold slash thing, uh, the first week I rubbed my face like with sandpaper, like raw, <laughs> like shreds of the flesh came up. Then I was like, oh, soothing lotion Kleenex. Well, there's something nice. And? I say yes. I say yes. It makes 100% sense.
2: Listen, I am totally with you. It makes sense and it doesn't make sense until the necessity is there you go. upon you. Mm-hmm. Because if you're looking at it as some sort of, like, you know, test of you, know, you being stalwart or not, you're going to say no. But
7: I'm saying, yeah, that this. Sense. sense.
8: You run with the Kleenex.
7: 101.5 WORD.
8: You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you.
6: I'm your number one fan.
8: That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies.
12: I'd like to win one of these contests.
8: Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan club and sign up.
13: We're big fans. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk. It actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help the U.S. with your patriotic investments that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691.
16: it when you called Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life, and it was the best thing I could have done for myself. Because once I called Trinity, they took care of me, and I felt such a relief a weight off my shoulders. Trinity was great to work with, they wanted to help me. I love it.
8: If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1 800 936
16: 5496. I'm Corey, and I'm debt free for keeps. 1 800
8: 936 5496. This is Pastor Tom Hall of First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, 326th Avenue, downtown. This year, we're celebrating 250 years of God's faithfulness, making us the oldest anything in Pittsburgh, older than any newspaper, school, or business. God was working here before the nation was founded. Join us for worship in the majesty of our grand sanctuary, Sunday mornings at 1045. God's not done with this great old church. God's not done with you either.
3: For the past month or so the tree of life synagogue trial has been going on here in the city of pittsburgh and of course if you've been paying attention at all you know that on october 27th 2018 a man by the name of robert bowers walked into the tree of life synagogue in squirrel hill and murdered quickly 11 people who were worshiping their jewish faith a couple weeks ago that man was found guilty of 11 counts of murder and now there is a new phase of the murder trial Whether or not the man himself, Robert Bowers, should be put to death is uh, being weighed by jurors here in Allegheny County. Here to talk to us about that is Bruce Ankoviak. He's a law professor at St. Vincent College to weigh in on the death penalty phase. And Bruce, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you very much.
2: Bruce, for those of us that are outside the legal system, uh, some of these things can really be confusing. Um, first off, in the first phase of the uh, of the jury trial, the defending attorneys did not even dispute the fact that Robert Bowers was guilty um, and had had perpetrated um, the crime. So, can you talk about what that strategy is and what what that means?
5: In a case like this, veteran. Defense attorneys who are involved in death penalty cases and who see no real hope in getting a not guilty verdict or a guilty or a guilty verdict of a lesser crime do not want to antagonize the jury and make the jury believe that this is a case about something other than the singular issue they want to try. And that issue is whether their client should be executed the strategy here is very clear there's no dispute about what happened there's no dispute about the the tragic nature of it and the impact on the people involved however from the defense perspective you ladies and gentlemen of the jury you just wait because this trial really hasn't begun yet it will begin when we start to tell you about the background of our client then and only then can you make the final, ultimate decision about whether he should live or die. So well, it's a very well thought-out tactic and strategy, not to antagonize the jury or make them think that there is something other than death or life which is really at issue here.
3: I see. So Bruce, uh, the defense team has written in filings <clears throat> that the um, the murderer, Mr. Bowers, has uh, suffers from schizophrenia, epilepsy. I'm reading today's from uh, from today's New York Times. Structural and functional impairment of the brain, and they intend to present evidence about his mental illness in the penalty phase. Um, In May, again from the New York Times, Robert Colville, who's the judge in this case, allowed the government to conduct its own examination of Mr. Bowers, suggesting that the penalty phase may entail a battle of interpretations over these findings. And, of course, this is what's happening right now, the nuts and bolts is this man sane or not?
5: Well, it isn't precisely a question of sanity. Uh, proving insanity in a, in a criminal court is a very difficult thing for a defendant to prove. Mm. And Bowers does not have to prove insanity here. See, th- this is where it really gets to be difficult. And it's not just people not versed in the law who have a difficult time understanding what goes on in a death penalty case. Once the defendant has been found guilty of the underlying crimes, which he has, and once the jury finds that the government has proven certain aggravating circumstances that make him eligible for the death penalty. And again, there's not going to be any real dispute about those. Those things in this case are like, for example, that the victims were vulnerable people, that there were multiple victims, that the act involved substantial planning and premeditation, and that he created a grave risk of death to others. All of those things have essentially been proven right now. But the question then becomes, what should the jury do? The jury, once that is all decided, now sits much more in the position of a judge at the end of a case, any case, where the defendant has been found guilty. The judge then has to weigh up everything, the, the background of the defendant, the harm that has been done, the impact on society, and come up with a holistic decision. About two or three years ago, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, in a death penalty case, made it what I thought was a very interesting observation. They said at that point in the case, the jury is to make a moral judgment about whether or not the defendant should receive the death penalty. And that's is—that's a very different thing than just finding somebody guilty or innocent. This is to weigh up all of these things, something that ordinary people as jurors never do in their lives. And yet this is the position they're going to be put in. And if they unanimously make that moral judgment, the verdict will be death.
2: So in that case, you're speaking of um, where the jury was instructed, you know, to make to see if there's a moral case for capital punishment. Mm -hmm. It it seems like the question is more whether capital punishment is moral versus whether that person deserves it. Am I right
10: about that?
5: Uh, Again, when these people were picked for this jury, they were picked because at some point in their questioning, they were asked the question, if you find that the facts warrant it, would you be able to impose the death penalty? These people all said yes to that. Okay. This, this is not a, a public policy debate on the death penalty at this point. All of those people have been, the, the phrase the law uses is death qualified. They have said I can impose the death penalty. If a juror said I couldn't do that, they would immediately have been excused because they they are essentially saying they can't follow the law. The law allows a death verdict in a case like this. The question is, can you impose it? The the, the deeper question, though, is when they when they assess everything that's gone on in this case. Are they going to be convinced that this is that kind of first-degree murder case that should be singled out from the other first-degree murder cases and said this is the kind of case for which death is the only proper punishment? Um, that, that's a very complex decision, and it, it's going to be a decision that will stick with those jurors the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm.
3: Bruce Koviak joins us. He's a law professor at Saint Vincent College. So, Bruce, uh, just a basic uh, ask: Does the jury have to vote unanimously that the defendant is deserving of the death penalty, or can two two people hold out? Is it how everybody all twelve have to be in?
5: All twelve have to be in. If it is a hung mm-hmm. jury, e- even by one vote, the judge is required to impose the sentence of life without parole.
17: Okay.
2: okay. Okay, what about uh we are talking to Bruce Yankoviak. I I want to make sure uh Bruce that we say how we um how our paths crossed is that you were quoted in in the New York Times article today about what is going on in the synagogue trial. And so uh Bruce uh, when we look at a situation like we suffered in Pittsburgh, and I say we because I think there was a uh, there was travail for every person who lives in the city uh, when uh, October 27th happened. Um, It seems like this is so much time and energy to accomplish something that we already understood before the trial even started. Um, So can you talk a little bit about the validity of uh, carrying on a trial of this length um, and, you know, maybe speaking to people out there who think, well, come on, like we we all knew he did it in 20, uh, you know, by 5 p.m. on October 27th, 2018. Now it's all these years later and we're finally getting around to to adjudicating this Mm
3: -hmm. and why the government would insist upon a death penalty.
5: Well, let's take the first question first, the length of time. Um, the defendant in a case like this is going to seek a, 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 as much of a delay as possible for two reasons. First, the immediate impact of any in, any incredible, devastating event like this. The defendant is hoping that with the passage of time, there will be some dissipation of the immediate revulsion that Mm, uh, that the entire area would suffer under this and judges will look for a little bit of delay in hopes that the the passions of the community will cool so that they can pick a jury from here as opposed to having to pick a jury from some other jurisdiction and bring them here that's one very practical reason for judges to to okay a delay of some sorts but the other thing has to do with how Defense, in this case, will prepare their case. The the individual who is primarily responsible for representing Robert Byers is is a woman named Judy Clark, who has represented some of the most famous people who have been tried for death penalty, and she only lost one of them to the death penalty, and that was the Boston bomber.
12: Wow.
5: Her approach is she will develop every single piece of evidence about her client's background do not be surprised if you watch this and there is evidence about the circumstances of his mother's pregnancy with him being given to the jury hmm. the the his entire history of his child grade school high school everything every psychological or physical ailment he has suffered will be will be displayed to the jury their purpose is you, you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, need to see this individual as this whole human being, and you need to judge him as the whole human being, not just judge him as the person who perpetrated this act. That is their sole purpose in, in representing this, and that gathering of that evidence can take a good bit of time. And so uh, th- that explains at least some of the aspects of the delay here. Now, you you asked the question, why does the government seek the death penalty in a case like this? Uh, and I've been contemplating, you know, if I was uh, back in my first job out of law school was as a federal prosecutor. And it, I was contemplating, what would I say to that jury if if I was the one prosecuting this case and charged with seeking the death penalty on behalf of the Justice Department? I, I think that the. the the, the primary thing that the government has got to emphasize in this case is, is simply this. There, there has to be a line out there somewhere. There has to be an act which, as a community, as a society, we find so absolutely abhorrent, so outside our acceptance of human frailties and human deficiencies, an act so terrible that when it, is, when it is accomplished, when that line is crossed, there has to be a consequence reserved for that, which is not to be given out um, carelessly and not to be given out in large amounts to everybody who may transgress in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form the rules of society. That's and, it. and the, I think the government's position is going to be that on that day in October, Robert Bowers took us all to that line and, mm-hmm. and made us watch while he crossed it. And that, that act, his level of preparation for it, his level of planning, his level of complete disregard for the, the, the individuals who were there, the fact that undoubtedly had the police not responded as quickly as they did, many more would have died, that 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 was that crossing of that line, and that if this jury believes that line exists, then this is the case to apply that ultimate penalty. I think that probably is about as good of of an explanation of any government lawyer's position as I could think of.
3: That's yeah,
2: good. Bruce, there that's very good. to be good. somewhere. Yeah, incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Yeah, Bruce, really uh, g- good insight, uh, wonderful wisdom. Thanks so much. We've been talking to Bruce Ankoviak. He's a law professor at St. Vincent College. There is an article in today's New York Times, Jury in Pittsburgh Synagogue Trial to Begin Weighing Death Penalty, where Bruce is uh, quoted. We'll take a quick break, come back. It's the Ride Home, Pittsburgh Christian Talk on Word M.
8: Take as little as three minutes to see if you could save on motorcycle insurance with Progressive. Come on, you've spent more time than that trying to name your bike.
7: Hmm, how about the Crusher? I guess it's not really crushing anything. The Silver Bolt? No. Oh, oh what about Pepper? Mysterious.
10: Is it a pet or a condiment? Surprise! It's a motorcycle!
8: Uh,
7: no. That's stupid.
8: Get a quote in as little as three minutes at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation.
7: Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really
1: works on the summer rashes I get every year.
10: I had psoriasis on my elbows.
6: Blue Star worked wonders.
1: Amazing stuff. Mirror bit on and the itch is
6: gone.
8: Look for the white box with the blue star in the first aid section. Feel blue star
13: work fast. Your money back. Wesley is a truck driver.
1: I drive a truck and I love what I do.
13: A truck driver with IRS troubles. They
1: told me I owed them forty three thousand dollars. It
13: got really
1: bad.
15: (laughs) Quite a few letters in the mail. They were talking uh, about wage garnishment, coming after my house, my car. Yeah, they they don't play around. I seriously thought that I was going to lose
1: everything.
13: One sleepless night, Wesley finally made a call to Optima Tax Relief at two a.m.
1: Kind of figured I'd get a machine, but I didn't. I actually got to talk to an actual person in the middle of the night.
13: (laughs) He found just what he was looking for.
1: Oh. are great people. You need a team of people that know what they're doing. Optima Tax, they know what
6: they're doing.
13: Optima Tax Relief came through with flying colors.
6: I saved an incredible amount of money. Happy
1: don't even come close. I was absolutely overjoyed.
13: Take Wesley's advice.
1: If you're in any kind of trouble with the IRS, call Optima Tax Relief. Don't trust anybody else.
13: Call Optima for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. People always ask me,
7: why
3: should I call Mr. Rooter Plumbing? Here's why. Our owner, Bob Bill learned plumbing from his father who started plumbing in 1964. His father taught him to do it right the first time, and that's what Bob passed on to all of our plumbing technicians today. If you need a plumber, call Mr. Reuter. Always available for big and small jobs. Plus, mention you heard this ad on Word FM and receive 10% off your next service with us. Call 412-Rooter-2 today.
2: Thanks for joining us for today's ride home. Before we leave the air, though, important that I bring up the uh, holiday that I'm celebrating today, which is National Chocolate Pudding Day. (laughs) It's a holiday. It is a holiday, and I believe in it, and uh, it's exciting for me to imagine what's going to happen later. Uh, I have particular feelings about chocolate pudding. I enjoy vanilla as well, but I think chocolate is really, you know, easily king.
4: Yeah. Uh, Do you have uh,
2: feelings about pudding? Is it something that you go to often?
3: Uh, I haven't had pudding probably in years. It's just one of those things, you know, it's not really on on the menu here. But uh, growing up, um, I had pudding um, most probably every week if not every other week. Really?
2: It Hope, was a staple. That your mom made on the, mm-hmm. the stovetop?
3: Yeah. I mean, my mom, she made dinner for all nine of us, everybody, from soup to nuts. And it always included dessert. Always. And so, you know, pudding was one of those standbys. And we had all kind of pudding. You know, rice pudding, bread pudding, tapioca pudding, mm-hmm. vanilla pudding, chocolate pudding. You name right. it. We had that mm-hmm. pudding. Cinnamon pudding. Yeah, sure. so mm-hmm. I grew up, and pudding's in my veins.
2: Yeah, but you've left it behind. That's what makes me sad. Well,
3: yeah, I just, it's not part of me. Uh, although I do have to admit, when I am like in the grocery store and drive by the refrigerated section and I see like another jello pudding, I yes. go, hey, I should, I should grab some of that.
7: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah.
3: I've never even had it.
7: I can't believe
2: we're having this conversation. Never. All right. I'll tell you. We only have a
6: minute left. We'll the Ride program.
0: Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.